So it is a long uh, speech or sermon. Uh, and Luke uh, put all of it uh, in his writing. In, in other words, uh, he didn't chop it off. Uh, uh, and so very important to Luke to put all uh, the content in it. And Hejong summarized uh, very well, and uh, I'm uh, grateful for that. Uh, I mean, you, you guys read uh, uh, chapter seven. If you read, probably it would have been very difficult to read seven times. Uh, but at least uh, if you read uh, once, then you'd uh, probably think that uh, Stephen is going over Old Testament stories from Abraham, uh, Joseph, and Moses, and David, and Solomon. Looks like he's just going over the story of uh, the Old Testament. But when you look at carefully, as Hajjang said, uh, there is a meaning behind it. There, re there is a reason why uh, Stephen uh, wrote this uh, whole uh, story. Uh, when you look at uh, Acts uh, 6:12 and 13, it says this, they stirred up the people as well as the elders and the scribes. It is a previous chapter, right? Uh, then they suddenly confronted him, Stephen, seized him, and brought him before the council. They set up false witnesses who said, this man never stopped saying things against this place, and this place is a temple, against this place and the law. So two things uh, become important. One is the word of God, law. The other is temple. And actually Stephen is responding to their accusations by going over the whole story of Israel. And then Stephen is saying that law blinded their eyes. Law blinded their eyes. So when we look at 751 to 53, this is Stephen's, uh, uh, part of Stephen's sermon. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you're forever opposing the Holy Spirit, just as your ancestors used to do. Which of the prophets did your ancestors not persecute? They killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous one, and now you have become his betrayers and murderers. You're the ones that received the law as ordained by angels, and yet you have not kept it. I mean, uh, we in uh, chapter six, we examined that Stephen had a, a face of angel. But from face of angel, this very strong word uh, came out. You stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears. So you realize the face of angel 
uh, is not always nice and gentle and mild and uh, good. Sometimes very strong uh, word uh, 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 the angels speak. Love blinded their eyes. I want you to discuss that. In what way? And St. Paul said the same thing. When you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, I'll just read it for you. Our competence is from God who has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of letter, but of spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Let me read that again. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. I want you to discuss together. Uh, what did Paul mean by that? And how could law blind our eyes? What is going on there? So I want you to discuss that. And second subject Stephen is dealing with is a temple. That is 7, uh, 47 to 50. Uh, that's a, a final summary of Stephen. I mean, after he went through all the uh, Old Testament story, or lastly, he summarized these two about the law and about the temple. And 47 to 50, it says, but it was, it was Solomon who built a house for him. Yet the most high does not dwell in houses made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Did not my hand make all these things? So what is Stephen saying about the temple? And I want you to discuss on that. And I will give you two reference passages one is Isaiah 66, 1. And the other is 1 Kings 8, 27. So in a group, you read uh, those passages. Isaiah is a prophet speaking about the temple. And 1 Kings 8, 27, Solomon, after he built the temple for God, he, his statement, you will see. So you got that? Isaiah 66, 1, and 1 Kings 8, 27. I want you to talk about what the issue was about the temple. I want you to talk about what the issue was about the temple. And then Another uh, question uh, that I want to throw uh, to you uh, is, when Peter preached, 3,000 people converted. And 
repented. But when Stephen preached, in the same way, the word cut their heart, same effect. When Peter uh, preached, he, uh, the, they were cut to the heart too. And uh, when Stephen uh, preached, uh, the scripture says uh, that he, his words cut to their heart. But <laughs> they stoned him. When Peter preached, 3,000 converted. When Stephen preached, he was stoned to death. Why is this? Why are they different? Is it because Stephen was not the apostle? He was only a deacon? Or was it because Peter was more spiritual? Why these differences that you see? I want you to discuss and get the message of the spirit. And then when you discuss, discuss like an adult. Don't discuss like children, like Sunday school. Uh, don't try to just answer, but try to think uh, spiritually and use, use your imagination and uh, you know, uh, talk together. And if you have time left over, uh, two things Stephen did when he died. Uh, first one is he said, receive my spirit. Second one was forgive them. So if you have time, uh, think about how you would die how you wish uh, you would die, <laughs> but only if you have time. Uh, that we can come back and discuss together. And if you still have time, <laughs> uh, that Jesus is standing at the right hand of God. Usually we are saying Jesus is sitting on the right hand of God. But uh, here it says, yeah, Stephen saw Jesus standing uh, at the right hand of God. But those last two questions, if you, only if you have time. So don't uh, spend much time on that. Just first uh, questions that I gave. Okay. Any question? Enjoy it. Enjoy the discussion. I mean, you know, uh, your discussion is uh, that you don't need to have the answer. You know, there's a misconception about discussion. You have to have right answer and then or profound answer. But the discussion is you just raise all kinds of uh, thoughts and then uh, your ideas and then uh, by talking together, uh, you enter into uh, deeper uh, truths, and then you uh, learn and, uh, about uh, the, the topic more in depth. But uh, sometimes uh, you just want to find the answer, but don't uh, don't do that. So uh, let's let us not be like uh, Sunday school. Let us uh, uh, talk like an uh, adults <laughs> and uh, discuss together, and then you can bring out. Bring, bring up other life issues too, yeah. 
Have, have you experienced that in your own life? Uh, yes, I think when, did, when uh, did you do that? Well, oftentimes, uh, if I'm trying to follow something to the letter, then I haven't considered um, the mitigating circumstances around something. Uh, it makes me more narrow-minded when I'm trying to follow something to the letter. Mm. And in, in life, there's a lot of gray and it, it makes you blind to the gray and to consider those things. So it makes, I find that it makes me harsher. It makes me a critic. Um, what makes it, makes it great? Life? Mm -hmm. uh, because- I mean, uh, why, why do we, I mean, uh, the law, if you apply to our lives, uh, and then, uh, I mean, uh, what makes the life great? Because everyone is different and every circumstance is different. Mm -hmm. And you can't apply a law just broadly. You have to always consider the situation yeah. at the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in other words, uh, uh, the law, uh, uh, law has to uh, be with the context. Right. Yes. Law cannot be understood without considering the context, right? And so sometimes uh, uh, when you uh, apply the uh, law uh, totally out of context, it becomes totally different message, doesn't it? Yes. What the law was uh, trying to say uh, was totally taken out of context, out of the context, and then becomes totally different message, right? It becomes harmful rather than helpful, right? Yes. Is that what you, what you mean? Yes. Yeah, that's good, that's good. Yeah, very deep thought, yeah, yeah. Other people? The law sort of makes you more judgmental uh, in a sense that when I was sort of young, I was Sunday school teacher and I was sort of very sort of conservative in many ways. So I, I didn't even know it was a biblical law or not, but like drinking was bad at the time. So whenever we have a meeting at a church, uh, you know, usually after minister gone home, the elders start to drinking. So I thought, oh, this is bad. And I was very judgmental at the time, right? But mm -hmm. that's just literally on try to understand the, you know, certain rules and without knowing the full background and uh, without knowing the Bible that well either, right? So mm. you, based on very limited knowledge, you think this is a bad, so you're become, you becoming very judgmental. Mm. But same, same thing that you see, but now you're not judgmental. You no, are like, I drink, <laughs> so. Okay. Yeah. Is it because you're corrupted now you drink? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Huh? 
or you, you become secularized that you drink? I, I mean, I don't feel that as, a, you know, I'm sort of uh, against the law or it's, it doesn't bother me at all. The fact that I'm yeah. drinking, like I can drink or I don't have to drink. It's up to me. And, you know, it doesn't really make me any better or any worse just because I'm drinking or I don't drink. So before you thought that drinking was sin, was yes. a bad yeah. thing to do. But so now thing. you don't think that, that that is a bad thing to do. Oh. Yeah. So in other words, with your change, the understanding of the law change, changed. Sure. Right? Yeah. So law does not exist uh, necessarily in isolation. Exactly, yeah. The more you grow, the deeper you will understand the law, right? Yeah. So uh, at certain level, you understand the word of God at that level. But yeah. as you get deeper, you get deeper understanding of uh, the word of God, right? So the word of God just not, is not static in that way. It is dynamic. And in as to the with you, for, for example, uh, yeah, even if I preach to the same uh, uh, to the same sermon to hundred people, all hundred people would uh, get different message, right? Not everyone will get the same message, depending on the level of their uh, uh, understanding. Or some people really, really spiritual will uh, go even deeper than uh, the sermon itself in terms of understanding, right? Mm -hmm. So it is a lot to do with you. So you cannot just uh, uh, use the word as your sword, your weapon. Yeah. Right? I agree. Yeah. Good point. Anybody else? When I think about the law, it's like, I know it's there to protect you know, like police, like law enforcement is to um, serve and protect. But with the, when I think of law, you think more of punishment. So, mm. you know, like when you're driving and you see a police car, you mm. don't think, oh, they're protecting me. <laughs> they think, oh, they're gonna catch me speeding. Like there's sort of that um, fear with the law and, like punishment, I guess. Mm -hmm. So I know like wearing seatbelt is important, it's safe, but if it wasn't law, maybe, I, you know, sometimes I wouldn't, you know, like wear it, like, but because it's law, if I get caught, I don't want to get caught. So that mm -hmm. idea. Mm -hmm. So law, in a way, uh, kind of brings about uh, fear and the spirit brings about freedom but the same Paul said that the law does not kill he said letter of the law kills right so there's a letter of the word uh, the word and there's a spirit of the word that's what uh, Saint Paul seemed to uh, me but a lot of times we st uh, we are stuck uh, with letter of the uh, word of God, rather than spirit of the word. I think one thing, a uh, letter of the word or letter of the law, um, 
It has a very easy um, potential to divide because uh, either you're on the side of the letter or you're not. But um, the spirit of the word, I, I, I mean, I, how it originated uh, is very different. It was, I think, it, it, its purpose is very different. It's not meant to divide. It's meant to maybe illuminate. It's meant to bring together. Mm. Um, so even the effects of whether it's from the letter or the spirit of law are different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, letter of law can be used to justify yourself. If you're yeah. just focusing on the letter of law, there's a, a lot of loopholes that you can mm -hmm. get away without really breaking the law. But mm -hmm. that's not really spirit of the law. So you just because you did certain things that, you know, that you, know, you can justify yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay, John, you, you were uh, trying to say a few times, but interrupted. So, what were you trying to say? I completely forgot. But, uh, <laughs> what, no, what? Uh, what? no, I was just saying I forgot. Um, <laughs> but everything that um, it kind of reminds me of the the story of or. Kind of the retelling of uh, Paul's conversion like from Saul to Paul. Yeah. Right. So when he was Saul, when he was persecuting the church and Christians, you know, he was he was the most righteous person according to the law. Mm -hmm. right? Circumcised on the eighth day and Pharisee of Pharisees. So he was a law abiding, law upholding, very righteous in the eyes of the law. Mm -hmm. And then and then his encounter with Christ. Um, I, my understanding of, of when, when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus was that, you know, that experience of encountering him and understanding, uh, grace, understanding the, 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 the personal relationship, it, uh, it changed everything. Right. So I think about in terms of like, for example, for us, it, you know, we can, I think we could, you know, do everything according to the teachings of the Bible, right? But if we don't have experience with grace, if we don't have experience with love, if we don't have experience with forgiveness, both forgiving and being forgiven, I don't know. It's just, it's just theoretical, I think, right? It seems to me that it's theoretical as opposed to experiential and lived and relational, Right. So that that's kind of what I think about when we, you know, when we talk about the letter versus the spirit of the law. So one is more theoretical and the other is more spiritual. You're you're saying? Yeah. The the, the trying to live according to just trying to live according to the teachings of the Bible. To mm -hmm. me, that's that's what Paul was doing when he was salt. Yeah. Right. He was trying to he was trying to be righteous by doing everything according to the letter of the law. Mm -hmm. Right. And we can do that as well, too. Right. And simple example, like what Edward shared about, you know, drinking and things like that. Mm -hmm. And we can easily fall into that. But I think, you know, the experiential aspect of, um, you know, the personal relationship and understanding like being touched by grace and being able to be an agent of grace and loving others and being loved like that that's where the relationship comes in 
right? Not only with Christ, but with, uh, with each other. Right? Mm -hmm. It seems to me that uh, that's the higher righteousness that, that, we, that we are called to. Mm -hmm. So, how about, think about uh, when, uh, when the word remains as the letter of the uh, word, then you become the agent and you use it for your own purpose. And sometimes bad people or righteous people, arrogant people, they have the law or they have the word, they will use it to exercise their dominance, mm -hmm. their arrogance. And then uh, that comes out. So you use it. When it's, uh, rem it remains as, as a, a letter, then you become the agent and depending on who you are, uh, you can use it in a very uh, abusive way. I think that's what Jesus saw when he came. The law was used in an abusive way for the poor, uh, vulnerable people. They make themselves look good, but they made sinners look bad. And so the, the, you are the agent. But when the word, it, uh, the, the change to, to become spirit of the word, then instead of you using it, the word changes us. Word convicts us. Word transforms us. I think that's what St. Paul experienced. Before it was the letter of the uh, word, letter of the law. So he used it for his own purpose. But when the word became the spirit of the law, that it started convicting him. That's why in chapter seven of Romans, uh, he said, I don't understand what I'm doing. I do not do the uh, good that I wanna do, but exactly the opposite, the evil that I don't wanna do, I do it continuously. So, in other words, the spirit of the law convicted him. It's not him. Uh, it, it was not he who was using the word, but word convicted him. Does that make sense? Letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Often people say uh, while they're hearing the message and then they, they tell me, oh, so-and-so should have heard this message <laughs> instead of that they themselves hearing the message. Any other insight about uh, this aspect? So what is Stephen saying then? The law blinded them. Stephen said, what did he mean by that? 
he's saying that they are hiding behind the law mm -hmm. and so they are being judgmental to others mm. that they hide they because they are they pride themselves <laughs> on knowing and following the law um so they put themselves above others to be able to put them down as you had mentioned earlier <laughs> can i make a comment here yeah, yeah. it that when stephen is talking um he mentions first in the beginning, he says, you know, our forefathers. And then later he distinguishes himself from them and says, uh, your ancestors and your, um, you, you know, you people did this. So he differentiates, he separates himself from them at a certain point. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. Why do you think so? You read it correctly. It's like, but, but he's almost doing the same thing where he's saying, we are the living and you are the static dead ones sitting behind the letter of the law so that you're judgmental and you are um, refusing to see. Mm. Hmm. What is he pointing out in the history When he said forefathers, who, who is he talking about? From Abraham down, down yes. to Joseph. I mean, Abraham, Jacob, and Isaac, and Joseph, all these people are forefathers, and God has been good to them. And God uh, kept a promise, as Hejong said, God kept promise. But who are the ancestors? Your ancestors, who are the ancestors? They're the ones who didn't listen to like the prophets. That's right, yeah. The ones who pushed Moses aside, those kind of people. Yeah, yeah. And those who killed the prophets. Yeah. They repeated the same pattern, that ancestor, and that you guys are doing the same thing as your ancestors. Mm -hmm. These forefathers uh, talked about God's truth, 
but your ancestors at that time the Israelites they, uh, they disobeyed and they rebelled and they killed uh, the prophets and all this. Right? Does it make sense? Okay, let's let's think about morality a little bit here. Let's say morality. A lot of times, I mean, yes, uh, ethics and morality is important. But you you keep certain morality, and that gives you the power, doesn't it? Moral power. When you break the, uh, that morality, you lose that power. Sometimes don't you focus so much on yourself? Is that why you keep the morality? Rather than really caring about the other person. And what kind of morality is Is that morality is very self-centered morality. Just so that you look good. Kind of morality. That has a very... Uh, that is a limitation. That's not what uh, Christian morality. That's that's. I mean, uh, Jesus took upon took our sins upon him, not for uh, for him to look good. Stephen is taking their sins upon him, not so that he could justify himself. There's a very different morality uh, going on here. What do you think? That's why it bothers me, that part about where God says, I'm going to do all these things. And then, you know, they will come back to this place and they will serve me and bow to me. Yeah, that aspect bothers me. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times that this uh, morality comes, it should come out of our love, but it doesn't come out of our love. It comes out of our fear. Fear, lose, fear of losing our face. Yeah, or fear of losing um, the sense of or order. Yeah, and also a sense of worth and sense of uh, status in a society. Right? Yeah, usually mm -hmm. law and order, usually we use the law together with the order, law and yeah. order. So that means you're trying to keep the same status, status quo, and you're not willing to change. Well, you're not willing to accept the truth in a way that, you know, you just want to keep the same thing. And those who has a power, they will enjoy that. And those who doesn't, they're going to suffer. Yeah. And so majority will decide what is right. And the minority becomes victim. Right? 
Yeah, and because we're talking a lot about uh, law, I mean, I can't help but think about uh, um, even legal philosophy. Uh, it's called jurisprudence. Uh, and there's, yeah, different schools of interpretation, but very similar similar to actually biblical interpretation, right? Um, there's the school of strict interpretation, literally meaning like the letter of the law is what it is, and that's how we interpret it. But if you really look uh, behind, the way I see it is, the ones who really advocate uh, most fiercely for strict interpretation are privileged people. Like um, in in American uh, jurisprudence, it's it is the white conservatives, right? And because uh, I think for them, it's uh, um, if you can keep this letter of the law, that means you are on the right side of of society and um, uh, in that order. But uh, if you're not, then yeah, you deserve to kind of. Be, so it's it, it is it's um, punitive and it's divisive in a way, uh, but I don't know. Yeah, that that to me is not. But then there's also the other school though. Um, uh, is is that really what it is? Right? Is, is it just a letter of it? Is it? Uh, so that kind of it just reminds me very similar things at play here. I mean, they, they don't mind having this literal uh, application because that law serves them. That's right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. there's nothing that they could lose. Right. Yeah. Where's so, the, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah. Whereas the other school is uh, even the letter of the law has to adapt and change uh, and how it's interpreted has to adapt with the, the changing context. Mm -hmm. So more of like a, it's a living tree, you know? Yeah. And uh, I think that's what uh, St. Paul's getting at there too. Right? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, there's some uh, uh, much more deeper insight uh, there should be, but I think it's good enough for now uh, to move on. So a few things that we have discussed about the law, uh, the letter kills and spirit uh, gives life. So let us talk about temple. What is Stephen trying to say about the temple? Why is he saying all these things? What do you think, Kyan Jang Nunim? He's a Kyan Jang Nunim elect. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that is that the law or? <laughs> According to PCC law, yes. <laughs> Until the laying on of hands, right? Yeah. 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 Elder elect. So what was the question again, Moksayin? Sorry. What, what is Stephen tr uh, trying to say about the temple? I mean, they said that Stephen uh, was speaking against the temple. Like uh, example of Jesus, when he destroyed this temple, I will raise it in three days and all that stuff. Uh, I mean, he's a, uh, he's, uh, they are accusing, they were accusing uh, Stephen that Stephen, uh, uh, the, the profanity about the temple, uh, that uh, he is a really 
uh, putting down the temple. Is he putting down the temple? No, he's, he's talking about how, you know, um, when Jesus comes, when he, maybe he, when he died, he was raised again, right? His body was brought back to life. And yeah. um, so he's talking about the, what Jesus has done in terms of re, re, reviving the church, uh, reviving um, the temple, what's holy for the Israelite people. Yeah. Right? So um, isn't that what Stephen is talking about? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what is the issue that he's dealing with here? Isn't he also kind of talking about that God doesn't just reside in temple? Mm -hmm. right? I think yeah. that's the thing he's getting at. So what is, what is he trying to say? I see it in the same lines as what we just discussed earlier about one being static and and, and the other being alive. Mm -hmm. So God is uh, God is bigger than the temple and, and it can't be contained in it, but they're trying mm -hmm. to contain him with the letter of the law, contain God in the temple and yeah. not realize that it's out there with yeah. the people. Yeah. So the issue is not whether God is present in the temple or not. That's not the issue. The issue is, is God's presence limited in the temple? That's the issue. That's why uh, Stephen is saying, even before Mesopotamia, when Abraham was in Ur, God was there. The glory of God manifested itself to Abraham. So there was no temple at that time. So that, that's why he's emphasizing God was there in the desert. God was there uh, uh, when we are struggling. Uh, so God is not limited in the temple. That's the uh, uh, issue. So what do you think about that? How about you, Linda? You got any thoughts? Oh, Veronica, yeah. go ahead first. That's okay. Yeah, what's, what's the implication? Yeah, yeah go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, well, in those days, weren't only like the priests and the the you know, the Pharisees, only those people were allowed in the temple. Like, remember when we talked about the man who um, couldn't uh, walk? He was at the gates, like he wasn't allowed in. And probably all the people, the regular people weren't allowed into the temple either. So, you know, just as, just as we were saying about the law, um, these people in power were trying to keep, you know, I guess, God in the temple with them rather than sharing God with all the people that really do need him. So the implication of that being, you know, they keep still keeping the power and only God is with us and, may, and not with you. Um, so sort of limiting God in that way as well and for themselves as well that, oh, we're the, 
law-abiding, we're the educated, we're the, you know, uh, I guess Saul appears here, right, at the, toward the end, Naeem and mm. So all the Pharisees, Sadducees, they were, they were the ones only in the temple. So, mm. you know, Stephen is saying, why, why, probably, why is that? Why are you keeping, you know, God in there where he's not really in there? It's not for you to use God in that way. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Talking about Stephen um, uh, testing uh, the people about the temple. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah. Um, is it? I was gonna ask, is it um, like when, uh, you know, at, in that verse where it says that the Most High does not dwell in the house made with human hands, mm -hmm. right? So the people are trying to contain God. Like yeah. they're trying to put God in a box. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? But yeah. God, Stephen's saying God cannot be contained in the temple because God, you know, his heaven is his, my, my throne and the earth is my footstool, right? Yeah. So, so he's saying God is above and beyond what you can create with your hands. Yeah. Like the yeah. law, the laws that you know were created. I mean, um, it got translated over time, where human yeah. beings have continued to create laws to for this and that, and it kind of contained God. It contained yeah. people too. And yeah. so I'm just wondering if that's what um, you know Stephen was saying. He's saying, yeah. why are you doing that? That's right. God is greater than, than this. Yeah. So uh, Stephen is saying that I'm not really uh, uh, defining the temple. I'm not speaking against the te temple. I want to restore the theology of temple correctly. Because there was never theology of the temple. That they never confined God God's presence in the temple. For example, uh, Isaiah 66, 1. Can somebody read it for me, please? Isaiah 66, verse 1. I have it here. 66, yeah. 1. Thus yeah. says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is my resting place? Oh. Yeah. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's a quotation. I mean, Isaiah, the prophet, had that kind of idea about, and then the Stephen is using uh, that uh, the, uh, the, the uh, people's theology, how they understood about the temple. And as Solomon, right after he built the temple, he said this, First uh, Kings 8.27. Can somebody read it, please? indeed dwell on the earth even heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you much less this house that I have built yeah I mean uh, Solomon had that kind of uh, attitude about the temple but why they were so exclusively focused on the temple and the saying that God is present only in the temple because it gave them lucrative business uh, because they centralize all the economy 
around the temple. So for example, sacrifice that they bring, uh, they cannot buy uh, the doves or uh, uh, the oxen or donkeys outside of the temple to give sa uh, sacrifice. They had to buy it in the temple. So they monopolized whole business of this uh, temple sacrifice. And then they made everything centralized at the temple so that they could control the religion uh, in that way. And so when North and South were, were divided, the Northern people, even though the country was divided, Northern people kept going down to Jerusalem uh, to uh, the, the, the worship because God is there. So they built another temple uh, up there in the north so that people don't go the, uh, uh, to uh, Jerusalem. So temple became very political place in a way. And then uh, uh, Stephen is saying, God is not locked up in the temple. God is everywhere. And uh, when God, God is uh, there when you're hurting, uh, when you're struggling, when you're in darkness, even when you sin, God is right there. It's kind of uh, scary uh, to think of that. So unless you have the really right relationship with God, uh, God is everywhere uh, in our, our lives. And then of course, uh, uh, God is also at the temple. So I believe that we should really uh, make our church uh, building uh, as holy as possible. As you know, as soon as you enter into it, you feel God's presence. And we should do that as much as possible. But still, God is everywhere in your lives. That is kind of temple theology that we have. Right now, while we are here, God is there. So Jesus said, two or three gathered together, I'll be in the midst of it. That is... Jesus theology. Almost like the temple is a physical representation of the law. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. Those who are deemed to be worthy to be in, inside yeah. are those who supposedly are hope, upholding the law yeah. or living according to the law and those outside. And again, it's a physical way to divide. Right? Yeah. Just like yeah. the law is. Yeah. So, so, I mean, John, you're right. That, uh, that when you uh, look at the Mount Sinai, Mount Sinai, when you flip it like this, then it becomes the structure of the temple. So Mount Sinai, the very kokdegi, that's a, a holy of holies. Only Moses went up. So when you flip it like this, then this holy of holies and then the temple structure. The elders were there. You understand what I'm saying? So it is very much related to Moses' law. So first question and second question are very related about the uh, letter kills and the spirit uh, gives life. And also physical building of the temple does not uh, contain and confine God, but you are the temple of God. Uh, St. Paul said, you are the temple of God. I'm just wondering, like, um, like, I think that's an important message. I mean, it's good news, right? Where two or three yeah. are gathered. 
Sarah, yeah. I'm with you, right? But how yeah. do we build that temple where God is not contained, but mm. within our church where there's freedom and people can feel God's presence? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, that's a question, um, how we can build that within our community. That's right, yeah. Because yeah. you want people to be, feel free. <laughs> You know, like a lot of people, when the times when people are at church, when something goes wrong within their life, they tend to leave the church. They feel mm. like they can't come when they're divorcing or whatever the case may be. Yeah. You know, and they don't feel like the church can accept. I know. Yeah. Which because is, uh, they, they, uh, uh, they feel ashamed, right? Mm-hmm. So in that case, uh, uh, Mina was very courageous, mm-hmm. even sending message to the whole uh, women's group. And also, she's still very much part of this community. She didn't leave the church because uh, uh, she's going through a difficult time. That's a good mm-hmm. example of uh, what true faith is. Mm-hmm. So to her, uh, this, uh, this uh, church is not just a place where he, she could just uh, uh, show off her uh, good life. You know, even when she's broken, church is very much a place where she receives uh, God's grace. That's what true church is. I'm with the the talk about the temple, about when Jesus spoke with the Samaritan woman. Yeah. About where to worship. That's right, yeah. The temple is where worship should be uh, taking place. That's right, yeah. Physical space, but he mentioned um, if you worship in spirit and in truth, that is work, and that is worship. So it yeah. doesn't have to be in the temple, physical. Yeah. So it's not where there, uh, where there is temple, there is God. It's not like that. But where there is God, there is a temple. Do you understand what I'm saying? The difference? Where there is temple, there is God. It's not like that. Where there is God, there is temple. So if God is in your heart, then your heart is a temple. If God is right here with us in our Bible study, then this is a temple. Does it make sense? Okay, so the last question. When Peter preached uh, 3,000 converted, when Stephen uh, preached, <laughs> so what's the difference? Why? The audience was different. Audience was different. So when Peter was preaching, he was preaching to the, the diaspora who were um, searching to come home. 
So searching to come home in more than one way. Um, so yeah, it wasn't a it wasn't necessary only a physical wanting to return to their homeland, but wanting to return to God. Mm -hmm. Whereas the other guy, the the uh, the people in the temple, they were not searching for anything of true meaning. They were just trying to defend their status quo, which was being threatened. So they had to kill, they had to kill the messenger and they had to kill he who spoke the truth, I, I suppose. Mm -hmm. yeah. How about others? It's kind of interesting, you know, um, when Stephen uh, preached at the end of it, right, they heard these things, they became enraged and they ground their teeth. And yeah. also it says in 2057, uh, but they covered their ears with a loud shout, all rushed together against him. So yeah. they covered their ears. They didn't yeah. want to hear. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Stephen was saying things that were convicting them like of their own sins or whatever the case may be they're he's forcing them to look at themselves and he didn't want i'm wondering if the people didn't want to hear about mm. their sinfulness do you know what i mean yeah and i think when someone brings to light um what's ugly or or within you we don't want to hear it we just kind of block people away or worry mm. that yeah, yeah. And to the point where he was, they were so enraged. I'm just wondering if that could be the reason why mm. one of the reasons. Yeah. Okay. okay. I mean, in other words, uh, it reflects the, the hearts of the hearers, right? I think their the hearts were in different places, different conditions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Perhaps maybe they were convinced that they were doing the right thing or somehow convinced themselves. I don't, I, is, is it that they knew that they were doing the wrong thing and they kind of, you know, maybe they, for them keeping the temple as it is, keeping the things status quo as they know it to be right was something that they felt they had to keep. So in, in certain ways they were blinded, but they were convincing themselves that this was what they had to do. I don't know. I'm trying to think from their, their point of view. Like, is, is it like, oh, this is, this is wrong but I still have to resist. I have to, you know, kill this man to, 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 um, to keep the temple. Like, was it that kind of attitude or was it like, I'm right. I just need to, you know, and he's wrong. I just need to, you know, kill that guy. I, I think either, either way, yes, they were blinded. Okay. Uh, 
and uh, they're 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 yeah they maybe they weren't open to the spirit but um yeah maybe by telling Stephen they feel justified sorry by killing Stephen, they feel that they are justified. They are right and he's wrong. Yeah, kind it, of. Uh, it's keeping to their line of thinking. Like, I'm yeah. right, I'm righteous, and I got to keep the temple as is. And, you know, he's the one who's creating or bringing all these changes. And anyway, yeah. Yeah, good. Was the message not a little different, though? Because when Peter preached, he was talking about um, about Jesus, whereas mm. Stephen was basically indicting them. Like Hejong said, it was it was an indictment, and yeah. he was he was insulting them, and and I mean. So, <laughs> I mean, a little bit stronger, a little bit stronger. But Peter also said, you who killed Jesus. Uh, that's what Peter said, right? To the people. Uh, but God raised uh, Jesus whom you killed. So he was really convicting them too. So they were both cut to the heart. They both groups. So I'm just thinking. Oh, sorry, Sandra. go ahead. Go ahead. So I'm just thinking it's the work of the spirit, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, yeah, who knows, right? I mean, it's a similar message as you were just saying. Peter also said things that would have made them very emotional. Mm. But for those people, they repented. But for these people who heard similar things, it's who knows, maybe it's the spirit that uh, led to this. Yeah. Right? So yeah. it is the freedom of the spirit. Yeah. I think we have to allow spirit to move freely. It's not about us. We cannot just say that all the good things have to happen if this uh, spirit is with me. Sometimes we have to embrace suffering. Sometimes we have to embrace blame. Sometimes we have to embrace our own sacrifice. Not always there will be good result of our hard work. And if you don't know, that doesn't prove that what we are doing is wrong. And what Peter is doing, uh, what Peter is doing is right, and what Stephen is doing wrong. We cannot say that, just because we don't see the result right away, good result. That doesn't mean the spirit is not working through us. So we cannot just depend on our result, and then uh, determine whether what we are doing is worthwhile, uh, uh, worth it or not, or admirable or not. It is a, a freely. Uh, how the spirit works within our lives. And if it comes as a praise, we are thankful. If it comes as a uh, the sacrifice, then we embrace it. We accept it. And then Stephen accepted with joy. He didn't really uh, curse himself. 
he received it with joy. Even death, he received it with joy. So in, in his mind, oh, there was no wondering, is what I'm doing wrong? Why? I mean, when pre, uh, uh, Peter preached, I mean, this kind of whole uh, the uh, community changed, but somehow when I preach, how come I get only criticism? He didn't uh, have any doubt about it. He was very confident about his message. And then he gladly welcomed the sacrifice and even death. Right? Sometimes we focus so much on how people respond to us. It doesn't matter whether people accept you well or not. Second thing that I see is that the word of God is double-edged sword. So uh, Hebrews 4.12 said, the word of God is living and active. I mean, uh, the same Paul said, uh, the, the word is double-edged sword. It even, uh, all, uh, Paul said that and uh, Hebrew uh, said that. Uh, Double-edged sword mean, meaning when the word is preached, some people will repent and turn around. But some people's heart will be hardened more. If you don't have faith, then you'll be hardened more. And I see that a lot. Especially people who have been, uh, been coming to, uh, going to church for a long time, they take word for granted. They think they know. And in, our, in other words, they become harder. So the word, word of God has double-edged sword. And that's why when um, God did not really harden Pharaoh's heart, when God spoke truth, let them go. That has a double-edged sword and it, that hardened. Pharaoh's heart. Does it make sense? And third thing that I reflect was that when Peter preached, 3,000 people got converted. But when Stephen preached, he got stoned. But because of that, when you look at uh, chapter eight, we didn't study, the, the, we'll study it next week. Chapter eight and one, it started spreading. The people started leaving Jerusalem and they went to the all different place. So Simon, can you read eight one, please? <clears throat> yeah. Uh... Well, Saul approved of the killing. Uh, that day a severe persecution began against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout the countryside of Judea and Samaria. Yeah, Judea, Samaria, that's where they were supposed to go and preach. So they didn't go uh, by program, uh, evangelistic program, but they had no choice but to leave Jerusalem and go to uh, Judea and Samaria and started preaching the gospel there. So it's not just 3,000. They started spreading the gospel everywhere. So it's not that, 
only Peter uh, brought 3,000 com converts, but uh, also Stephen allowed these kind of uh, uh, the power of the gospel to spread to different areas. So there, uh, Stephen's death was not waste, in other words. It's almost like there's a human action or reaction, but then uh, uh, there's, a, there's a bigger reaction or response of the spirit. Yeah, that's right. Well, human actors worked to stop Stephen in his tracks, but the spirit can't be stopped. If anything, this further spread the spirit. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah exactly. God even uses this tragedy. Uh for his own purpose. Well, it, seem, it seems to be a recurring theme. Yeah. That every time they try to strike it down, they only further the, the cause. That's right, yeah. They could kill Stephen, but they could not kill the message. Another, another is the you know, same message that recurring, right? They could imprison uh, uh, people, but they cannot imprison the power of the gospel. I think this is why if our lives are in the spirit, I mean, uh, that should be tremendous uh, empowerment and faith because we know that if, if we believe this, um, uh, if something bad happens to us, it's actually, actually going to be for some other greater purpose, you know? Mm-hmm. That's why St. Paul could say, you know, when I'm weak, I am strong. Yeah. That's why we are uh, thankful in all circumstances. And we rejoice always. Okay. Uh, last thing. While he was dying, he saw the glory of God glory of Jesus. I hope that I die like that. My prayer topic. When I die, I see the glory of God. I mean, that's a beautiful death. Instead of uh, being so attached to life and uh, all the good things of life, now I don't want to live, I don't want to die, not that, that kind of death, but we see the glory of God. And then say, receive my spirit. Accept me. I can release myself in God's hand. But if I don't do that in, our, in my daily living, how can I do that on deathbed? I don't think I can do that. If I cannot do it right now, relieve my, myself in God's hands and uh, release myself in God's hands. If I don't practice that, I don't think I can do that uh, on my deathbed. So we should always uh, practice and discipline ourselves to leave ourselves in God's hands in everything. And another thing this, uh, that Stephen did was forgive them. Forgive those who stoned, stone, were stoning him. That's what Jesus did. Forgive those who crucified him. Forgiveness, you know, before you die, you gotta forgive everyone. 
every single person, otherwise you become Christian. You have this hand within you and die and then you never go to a good place. You become Christian. So you have to forgive everyone. And then, I mean, if I don't know how to forgive now, how can I learn to forgive on my death? The same thing. And then he saw Jesus standing and then a lot of people said a very interesting thing and that is Jesus could not just sit and then wait for him to come. He was standing up and uh, receiving uh, Stephen with open wide arms. So he died glorious death, first martyr in Christian history. That's the way to go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, live good life, but at the end, we should die glorious death. Yeah. But it makes me wonder, right? Like he, um, he's been stoned to, to death, but he fell asleep. Like, how could that be? Yeah. That, uh, I mean, shows, uh, Luke shows, uh, he, he went uh, peacefully. And also, he went to sleep, that means that he will wake up someday. So it's not the end. So mm -hmm. Luke kind of leaves that kind of sentiment in the story. Hmm. So it might be more of the way he wrote it, or do you think it really did look like he was sleeping? Maybe he was trying to give that kind of... Right? Yeah. He wasn't sleeping. He he died. <laughs> he died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, stoning. I have a question about uh, when the witnesses laid the coats at uh, Saul's feet. What is the significance of laying the coats down at his feet? I don't know. We'll have to read a commentary for that. Oh, and, and another quick question. Um, when he's talking about uh, Abraham being circumcised and that covenant, did circumcision begin with Abraham? Mm -hmm. oh. He was the first one who, who did it, yeah. Okay. Anything else that you would like to comment? Were you, Jenny? Any thoughts from today so far? This is an aside, and it might sound silly, but it bothers me that, like the, I mean, I guess because of that time, only men were there. But you know, because he says brothers and fathers, but so there were no women there. So I'm just thinking if there were women, they would have been more compassionate and, you know, <laughs> but it's only men there. So it just, that stuck out <laughs> in my mind. If there were some women, they would have some mm. compassion. You know, 
repenting more than. I mean, that's a great point. Uh, I think Luke might have uh, written it intentionally uh, because Luke is the one who talks a lot about women. Uh, the, among all the four gospels, Luke is the one who talks about women the most, but this time only men were there. So if we, well, women were there, probably they might have uh, had a different kind of uh, decision. Maybe somewhere. Isn't this, isn't this like a place where women aren't allowed in, right? I think so, yeah. Was, weren't, yeah, there were not probably. something, synagogue or something. Very good point, though. Yeah, good point. How about Jenny? Do you have anything? Um, just uh, you know, low blinded um, our eyes sometime, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So um, I was thinking about uh, our church situation yeah. when our you know church you know I mean denomination decided to um, accept the yeah, same-sex marriage or those kind yeah. of whatever, you know, thing, right? You know, some yeah. of the KSM members, they didn't understand, you know, real, you know, the words of God, right? The mm. of God. So they, some, some people, I think they left, right? Yeah. So I, I was just thinking about those kind of low-blinded, you know, eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Good, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't uh, directly deal with the issue, but yeah, good to hear that. Yeah, from what we discussed, we can see the implication of what we are talking about. Yeah. How about you, Linda? Any thoughts from you from today? We're muted. I can't hear you. We can't hear you. Yeah, I think uh, for me, um, life was uh, full of uh, pride and prejudice. Um, but nowadays, I think I'm just swimming, <laughs> swimming, in, swimming in the in the God's uh, God's uh, grace and mercy. <laughs> That's good to hear. Yeah, I can see that you're swimming. <laughs> you look happy these days. Um. Can I say an uh, uh, inappropriate and misogynistic joke? <laughs> it's just a joke. But just regarding if, if all the women were there, then they would have just nagged Stephen to death. So that, that was bad. That was just a joke. To that. <laughs> that was a joke. That was completely yeah. a joke. I don't. I don't believe in that. <laughs> Stephen, in, instead of them, Stephen would have blocked his ears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, death by chansori. <laughs> Sorry, I don't, I don't. I don't mean that. <laughs> I just wanted to. Uh, just wanted to share a laugh. John, you know they, this is all recorded, eh? <laughs> okay, Reverend, Reverend Kim's response was even funnier too. So, <laughs> so. <sighs>
Okay, great. Thank you very much. So, uh, Samonin, can you bless us uh, to go and have a good sleep? Okay, strange hearing Samonim in this crowd, but okay. Um, Almighty God, loving God, we thank you for this time that we gathered together after a long week um, to um, hear your word, learn your word, share our thoughts um, together. Lord, um, we learned, um, as we learned today, help us to, um, to remember um, the spirit of the law, um, what you have intended when you um, gave us the law. Um, help us to keep that in our mind. Help us to continue to keep our hearts and minds open so that we may be led by your spirit in whatever we do and say. So Lord, as we go to sleep, I pray that you may give us all good night's sleep. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.